What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the show. We are your hosts, Chase and Miles, and we are at the Lucky Duck. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Uh, Miles, who is sitting here with us today? Uh, you guys ever heard of Sean White? Oh, it's not Sean White, but pretty close. Uh, we have someone who traveled across the country to come see us. Mm. He runs a business called ZaxellsNaples.com. Boom. Best realtor in Naples, Florida. If you're ever there, need a house, this is our brother, Zach. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give a cheers. Yeah, what are we Let's drinking? Let's just get this started. Sidecar? Party. Boom. It's a sidecar. Um, we have... Uh, Vince in the studio, good friend, bartender, made us this awesome drink. Thanks, Vince. Thanks, Vince. Um, Thank you. Now we're ready to give it. I'm going to give it the first sip. I'm going to do some I ASMR. I already did it. I did it for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mm. Actually, that's pretty good. You know, you would be good on the deep threading podcast. Yeah, there's a podcast out there. Our friend Matt runs it. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Where he deep throats random objects, and yet the audience has to guess what it is. It's called the Throat Podcast. Yeah, it's interesting. Shout out to our friend Matt. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, no comment on that. Um, Um, So yeah, we you flew out here from Florida. What did we do this week? Did a lot of snowboarding. Hell yeah, over fifty miles. Oh yeah, yeah, fifty miles. And how many times have you even gone? Um, Three or four times. Yeah, (laughs) that's crazy. So it's. That was a whole long two days, but I could go a whole nother day. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be fun. I'd... I topped out last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did night, yeah, nightboarding, nightboarding for the first time. Yeah, nightboarding is a little, little sketch, especially the way up. There's definitely some moments where we were on the lift in the pitch dark, pitch black darkness, and I was just like, I don't know, uh, this is a good idea. I don't yeah. know if we should be doing this. Yeah, like whoever let people do this at night. <laughs> It's some risky, but the the best part about it is there's what there's nobody on the mountain, so it's like going down your favorite run without. Yeah, so, so if you're someone who commonly crashes into other people, I did it once. Just a couple once. people in this room <laughs> are guilty of doing that. Uh, Let's just put it that. Then way. this is the best time to go. Yeah, it's kind of crowded there, though. What, 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 so what's your what's your like from going? So Zach, you've been here what for? Uh, snowboarding before, but you went to Loveland. Right. What was your, what's like the biggest difference in your mind between the two places like Keystone versus? Uh, I think Keystone just had more, uh, probably more runs it seemed like. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot more variety to choose from. Uh, and then the other thing was, is it was nice having like the town below. Yeah. Uh, so you had things to do besides just snowboarding. So I had a good vibe to it. Yeah, a really good vibe. It was like so. p- other people are excited all around, having yeah. breakfast, dinner. You kind of had that resort feel to it. Yeah. Uh, in addition to just like snowboarding. That's my favorite part about it. I think when I when I first like got there, I was just like, oh, this is like next level. This yeah. is like there's a whole community surrounded by this like mountain. We didn't even get to go down in the, into the other part, the other village. I mean, we went on the Peru run, which is so there's like two yeah. main main big sections of it at the base. But yeah, they have a whole nother area that we didn't explore. And they have a Starbucks there, oh, you know? Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> that line, though, 
<laughs> on a Saturday. Oh yeah. <laughs> to get to your Starbucks. We could do without the masks too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're still for enforcing masks up there. It's so weird. The rest of the world, even the CDC has moved on and they're still very adamant about the mask yeah. thing. Very it's so very weird. serious. Yeah. They take their masks a little too serious. And I think it's funny how it's like <clears throat> to go in this building, you have to show your vaccine card or information. Yeah. But to go in this one, you don't have to. It's yeah. cool. They're literally <laughs> right next door. It's like no. Nah. No, no mask needed. Okay. I mean, hey, that's uh, if that's the rules, that's the rules. Yeah. We're saying like, but they're probably not going to change it. They're too late in the season to like expect employees to now just do something completely different. Yeah. Just so it's probably easier on them to they, just keep doing it. Yeah. And then they probably it's just like don't enforce it. I mean, it wasn't really enforced. Like you could pretty much just walk around right. without one on. People yeah. didn't say anything. But next season they'll be gone. We hope. We hope. Yeah. Um, so how's Florida? Florida's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Sunny. It's, it's uh, you got beautiful weather year round, and you know it's just a it's a great place to live. Where uh, I think most people in the country have really figured out that Florida is a uh, an, an area to to go year round and and enjoy the area. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, snow. Uh, which, yeah. which I can tell you, uh, coming here, it's nice to to be able to leave Colorado and go back to eighty five degree weather, mm-hmm. and uh, sure. and 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 not have to worry about scraping your windshields, or <laughs> or doing shoveling. stuff that seems very foreign to me. That's mm. true. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's like four car washes per week required yeah. <laughs> during the winter time here, and, or, or you just don't wash your car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, literally, that has been my, kind of my mantra lately. Yeah. Sometimes you can't. It'll be like negative two degrees out the next day it snows then it's again zero degrees out the next day it snows and it's like Mm -hmm. yeah you can't wash your car february is that that's the month because then it starts to get you start to get a different kind of snow in march it's like more of a heavier snow it's like more dense and then uh and then it's just kind of stops and then i don't know springtime here is like the best kind of season yeah we really don't have like seasons like you guys have yeah so that was one thing we learned when we moved here. Yeah. It's like, wow. And Damn, even when we have our rainy thing. season, it's nice. It's blue skies. Then you get your, uh, your summer showers, maybe four o'clock, five o'clock in the evening. Every single day. Every single day. And then yeah. it's gone. It's short lived. Uh, and the humidity, though. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to be that big of an impact when you fly back tomorrow. Well, like I, getting off the plane, I feeling so. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, might, I might be able to feel like I can breathe again. <laughs> yeah, my lips are a bit chapped from yeah. about two days yeah. out in the mountains. And your skin just starts to feel yeah. very dehydrated. That's true. Wow. If you if you live here for a while, I think you get used to it. But if you come in here every couple of days, uh, it's not. But I know it's healthy to live in Florida with that humidity. Keeps yeah. your skin. Uh, very hydrated, and then as you get older, it won't wrinkle as much. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I would take a while for me to get used to, even even being here for the couple of days. My voice has changed, yeah. and I can tell the uh, you know the dry air is affecting it. You get yeah. your forward nosebleeds out of the way, and then you're a, a real Colorado. You know? Every time I used to visit Chase, I would get a nosebleed like every time, and then I haven't had one. In a, a long time. Now. Yeah, I'm surprised none of none of you guys. Yeah, that doesn't happen when you go to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. You just feel a little more moist than usual. A little. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the year. Yeah, or time at least. Yeah, I know. Um, Florida is really good for retirement too because of the taxes, right? 
there, there is a tax advantages. I mean, you'll see people who own businesses throughout the United States who will sometimes claim their businesses in Florida, uh, you know, just to get away from some of the state income taxes and so forth. So there's a lot of perks to it. Uh, you know, we, we do tend to have lower taxes in general, whether that be property taxes. We don't have state income taxes. Uh, you know, so it, it, it becomes a kind of a not only just from a climate perspective, uh, but but from a financial perspective. Uh, it's one of the reasons why a lot of people come down and retire. They're tired of tax bills, uh, mm. you know, and, and, and it's often when I'm selling real estate and so forth and I'm meeting new people from other areas of the, uh, the country. It, it ends up being, uh, you know, it's very interesting, I should say, talking to different people that are from maybe California, New York, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the bigger inner cities and so forth. Uh, you often almost kind of laugh and joke when they talk about, well, you know, tax bills and so forth, because I'm, I'm going with what you guys are used to and, and, and so forth. It's it's almost a joke. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it's it's such a fraction of what they're used to paying. When you're retired, do you still you don't have technically don't have any income, right? Well, so, well, you you technically mm-hmm. it it just depends, uh, you know how your tax structure is, but yeah, you know you could still have income sources mm-hmm. coming in. From I think when you're directions. pulling from your um for if you put into a four hundred one k, when you're pulling out of that, it's going right. to be based on the current taxes where you live. Yeah, depending so if, on whether you've done an IRA or or four hundred one k. Correct. I think if you lived in Florida your whole life, paid in put into your four hundred one k, moved to California, you're probably paying California state income tax on that, right? I'm not sure. I think that's how that works because I know that retirement is uh, where you retire is a huge thing people yeah. talk about Real, like, really? massachusetts is one of the i think one of the worst places to retire in because of the taxes it has on on uh, the implications with yeah. it. yeah yeah but i think florida is one of the better places because of the no state income tax yeah. that's pretty evident by i mean we always talked joked when we were younger that there were so many older people in florida i think that's probably changed it's, it's changed in a lot of areas. I mean, when you when you grow up in a place like Naples, Florida, where you know traditionally speaking, it's always been an area for retirement. Uh, you know, and it's been a retirement community. It, it's interesting how that's changed over the last few decades. Uh, you know, it used to be an area growing up as a kid where you'd go, "Hey, how, how the heck do I get out of here?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and and uh, and that's really changed over the uh, the last couple decades. Uh, you know, we have a lot more uh, industry. Uh, in Naples and, and medical being one of them, that's a huge industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, real estate's always been, you know, an industry in, in uh, Naples. But uh, you know, when you're when you're looking at some big companies uh, that that have come into the area, um, it now creates job opportunities for a younger crowd. And, and when you're in an area that you realize, you know, a lot of my friends moved out of the area, and, and a lot of them came back, uh, you know, because they realized the grass wasn't greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they realized that it's it's hard to tell when you grow up in such a nice area. It's hard to understand how good you got it until you move away or you see other things, uh, you know, in, in, yeah. in the country. Uh, and you realize, wow, you know, I, I, I grew up in a really nice place. Uh, yeah. Know, so, you should, so, when you grow up and you don't have the type of money you need to, like, enjoy Naples, mm-hmm. you know, it definitely. Yeah, it's definitely an area that's that's uh, can be expensive to live in. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's but but at the same time, uh, you know, it's it offers a lot of opportunity, whether, you know, it, it be, uh, you know, a lifestyle that you want to live, uh, you know, it's a huge boating community. Uh, you know, it, we've got resort style amenities throughout the area, every restaurant you can choose from, uh, you know, so when you, when you have so many things, uh, you know, around you to utilize, uh, with the area, uh, you know, it becomes a really nice place to live and enjoy. You, is there an Arby's there still? 
Uh, I think there is still an Arby's. Well, right. Chase, well, do you miss I the might, Arby's? I might come back. No, I just don't go anywhere that's too far from an Arby's. That's my that's my rule. Like where we were staying, there's an Arby's about ten minutes down the road. I had I to make sure. I, I think you could still be in Lusk. The places that are too far from Arby's are unsafe places, and I will not be a part of the community. Oh no. <laughs> General rule. Now though. I know why you moved away from the yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was it's more Arby's per capita here. It's not my first thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, we went hunting for prairie dogs earlier. We did. Yeah. I, I used to have a couple of prairie dogs, actually. Yeah. How did was you that? Catch them? So uh, mine were a lot more tame. <laughs> how did you get? How How did the thought of even uh, owning prairie dogs come to be? Uh, we actually ran into a uh, exotic breeder in Naples that uh, sells all different kind of exotic animals, and they happened to sell prairie dogs, and it seemed like a neat thought at the time. And because you wanted a dog, right? But you were like, eh, maybe too much uh, commitment. I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was uh, it was kind of a unique experience. I wouldn't do it again. Yeah. Uh, but it was definitely uh, something different. Are they are they uh, were they playful or cuddly? Uh, a little bit uh they, they they took a while to tame yeah uh you know so it's uh it's definitely an animal that's that's uh takes a lot of energy to 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 be able to become domesticated so basically they live in a cage is yeah. that in like kind of like an oversized hamster yeah. like I mean, a guinea the best pig way almost? to have is probably outdoors where they can actually dig holes and, and do their normal thing mm. And then build a whole community in your back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next thing you know, like, you know, stuff's caving in. <laughs> so they become familiar with you or they, they become tame and then they're kind of tame with everyone? Um, they're pretty tame with everybody, yeah. you know, after that, yeah. I feel like if you let them in the backyard, they would try to dig and they would just hit water immediately. Or lime rock? Yeah. Yeah, they're probably close. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the craziest thing was moving into a gated community and uh, your neighbor's going, what are those things? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Is there any like HOA rules against yeah, exotic is. pets? There Did is. you have to hide it and stuff? Uh, you know, so. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't it's know. It's not one of those things is. where you come out and go, hey, I got prairie dogs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, they're guinea pigs. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> Except a little smarter. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah. It's basically a squirrel without its tail. That's what I was thinking. It That's what it seems yeah. like, right? And they like, I don't know. So do are they vocal? Do they make a lot of mm-hmm. like noise? Is like a scream or what? what is it like? Um. Yeah, I mean they uh they they make a lot of different noises. They, you know, they're one of those animals that likes to alert, you know, the other uh the other ones in the colony. Mm-hmm. So when you have two, they're very vocal with each other. You have you have to buy them in pairs too. That was the thing. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. They're very social animals, so uh, they'll be lonely if not. It will be lonely and and uh, you know, matter of fact, uh after we had them, you know, for about 8 years after the first one passed away, the other one didn't didn't take much longer afterwards. Oh, yeah. Were they both like the same sex or different sexes? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell you. They never populated, right? So. Yeah. yeah. So, so probably. He had to get his fixed. <laughs> it was a law. Wow, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, we have, I mean, you have some, like, you could walk down the road. Yeah, and they're catch right outside. One. Yeah, except I would, probably wouldn't grab one. No. Nah, <laughs> Claw yeah. your hands up. In fact, for, the, for a minute in northern Denver, there was a whole population near the Rocky Mountain Arsenal where they had caught, they detected the black plague in this like large community of prairie dogs. And so they had to like fence off the entire area. It was right next to the Dick's Sporting Goods Arena or uh, stadium. 
which is where like the professional soccer MLS team plays in Denver. And so for the longest time they had, when you'd park there to go to a game, they'd have signs up on the perimeter saying, warning, like, uh, black plague detected in, like, this area, whatever. It was the weirdest thing, yeah. Well, hopefully mine didn't have the black plague. (laughs) (laughs) But I I just thought it was such a weird thing, like, something that you learn in history books, like medieval England. Yeah, that's true. But it makes sense, because I think back then they were transmitted... They think yeah, they were actually the banning rats. them, banning them as pets for a while because of that, uh, because of illness yeah. and stuff. Yeah, interesting. Oh. Did did you create the coronavirus from your from oh, your prairie shit. dogs? I mean, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> what if that was that was, there? What if like they find out that in Wuhan it was a prairie dog? Did you fuck your prairie dog? <laughs> <laughs> no comment on that. Um, yeah, so it wasn't a pangolin, so that's okay. That's true. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so I actually had a few questions for you um, about how to buy a house mm-hmm. because everyone keeps telling me that there's no houses to buy. So today, if you don't have cash, you're not buying a home. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but it feels that way. Yeah, it yeah, does. It does. Uh, it's it's uh it's one of the things that's probably been pretty challenging to buyers today. Is 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 uh you know when you're dealing with multiple offers and and uh you know you'll have a awesome home that comes on the market uh, the challenges of competing uh you know in the market that's that's probably been and it's very frustrating it's frustrating being a you know a realtor in the business uh and it's very frustrating as you know being a a consumer uh you know that's looking to purchase a home um you know it's it's uh even when you're cash and you have plenty of cash to purchase it's still very competitive uh in today's market uh so it's it's you know the matter of prepping yourself getting a good realtor that knows how to compete in this market. Uh, and there's different strategies, you know, to use depending on what kind of, you know, uh, resources you have as a buyer in today's market. Uh, you know, when you're financing, uh, you know, a home, it's, it's making sure you have all your ducks in a row, uh, you know, so that when you do find the right home, uh, you have the biggest and best chance of competing in today's market. And the market, the housing market's been pretty hot since it's been awesome. Like, 2015 right uh, yeah, yeah i mean it's been on an uptrend pretty much since we came out of the last uh you know crash and yeah market. uh you know and it's been a heck of a ride but then in the last one one to <clears throat> two years it was like it's skyrocketing crazy yeah and and you, you you have multiple factors that are happening with that you know you have you have really good and bad things that came from covid uh you know and and that's not just real estate in general uh, you know, some people's businesses grew, other people's businesses got hurt, right? Uh, you know, so so when you look at, there was multiple factors that really fueled the market uh, for the real estate market, I should say. Uh, you know, you had, you had, especially when you're dealing with like Florida and so forth, uh, you know, what specifically what I'm used to, uh, you know, dealing with in that market. Uh, you know, you had low interest rates that were, you know, historically never seen this low. I mean, it's, it's, uh, when money becomes that cheap to borrow, it's easy to to spend it, uh, you know, which fueled the real estate market on top of, you know, we have our general baby boomer market that continues to come down in the southwest Florida, uh, which, you know, from a retirement standpoint, that market's always been there. And it's always, uh, you know, been been uh, something that has fueled growth in our market. But when you add COVID on top of it, you have you know, areas in the country that are being ran, you know, whether it be politically, uh, you know, that that's that's hurt your business or or decisions that have been made that have made it difficult to live 
in other areas. And you see places like Florida where it's it's been, uh, you know, uh, an, an area that's been easier to to live and, and uh, go about your business, uh, you know, and make choices for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it be, almost becomes kind of a safe haven where people kind of flocked to the area. Yeah. So now you have that movement. Uh, you have historical low interest rates that have fueled it on top of, you know, a normal retirement uh, movement that continues to come in Southwest Florida. Are so the, it's really fueled it very fast. Are the interest rates low because of what the Fed has done to try yes. to help the economy? Yeah. That's why. Yeah. When you have like quantitative easing and so forth, that's, that's been fueling the market. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, historically, you know, like I said, we're at low interest rates. So when you're flooding the market with money, uh, you know, it, it's it becomes, uh, you know, when you're when you're paying three thousand dollars in interest for every hundred thousand you're borrowing, roughly. I mean, that's amazing. And uh, they did that back during the other, <clears throat> a little, slightly after the first, not first, the last housing. Yeah, I mean, it's been rate. it's been throughout the process, and but it's been. You know, the rates weren't that low until, you know, over the last couple of years, I should say. And mm-hmm. it's been they've been low, but it's been a constant, you know, uh, downtrending as far as the interest rates to the point to where, you know, hit historic levels, uh, which which was awesome for people. It gave people opportunity. Uh, you know, it could I couldn't imagine, you know, when you look back in, you know, the 80s and so forth where you were paying, you know, 13, 14, 15 percent interest rates. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you imagine spending fifteen thousand dollars in interest for every hundred thousand you had to borrow? I mean, that'd be be crazy. But that's where it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at that point, depending on what rent is in the area, it yeah. could almost make it not, you know, make sense to buy. A yeah, home. and that was the thing too. If you were in a position where you could purchase a home, it it you know, and especially now, it's become uh, more advantageous if you're in a position where you think you'll be around in the area for a while and it makes sense to purchase. I mean, if you're if you're thinking that this is a temporary thing, you know, obviously, uh, maybe, maybe renting might be the best, uh, you know, option for you. So if you're the, one of the big things that, uh, plagues or, um, stands in the way of like a younger generation mm-hmm. buying a home is, is competing with older generation money, right? Uh, some, somewhat, but it, it may not, there's a, there's a huge younger crowd that has money, you know, yeah. that they, there's, there's a lot of money that's been made in the stock market. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of cash that has come from that, um, you know, and then there's a lot of, uh, you know, families that may be giving, you know, uh, other family members, whether it's your kids, grandparents giving, you know, so there's a lot of, lot of opportunity that, you know, they, there may be a younger generation that actually has access to cash as well. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, so it's not just the older generation. Um, although, you know, hmm. uh, a lot of that because of it being a retirement age, they tend to have cash. Correct? That's the thing. So what would you recommend to a younger couple who doesn't necessarily have mm-hmm. enough capital to compete with people who do? How, yeah. how, how do you, how so, do you encourage them to so, remain competitive? So the tough, there's, there's a lot of challenges with that and, and you're having to give up things, uh, you know, that you normally wouldn't have to. And it's very frustrating because some of these things are things that, you know, you necessarily wouldn't want to give up, uh, that you're having to, you know, whether that be reducing inspection periods, uh, maybe getting rid of your inspection period altogether, mm-hmm. uh, coming up with non-refundable money. Um, you know, these are things that you don't like to hear uh, as a potential buyer that's looking to purchase a home. But the reality of it is, is. Uh, you know, you may have to do some of those things to compete with cash. Uh, one of the other challenges you're running into is you, you may be able to finance a purchase on a home, but you might have a seller that 
feels even though you're coming in with a good price on the home and it might be the highest priced offer out of multiple offers and they might still not accept your offer because they're afraid of their home not appraising mm-hmm. uh, and and if they if your home doesn't appraise and you're contingent on financing then you might be back to square one and that seller's having to put their home back on the market when they could have just taken a cash deal yeah. uh, you know so though when you're dealing with that it's not easy uh, so, you know it's 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 uh, very very frustrating so um, let's pause there yeah. what what so that's that's the big thing i you hear right now is the appraisal gap what is that <laughs> how do how do you best explain that yeah so let's let's say you have a, a home you know that's that's sitting at an average price of 450,000 you know in the area and and you're you know having to come in at let's say almost 500,000 uh, you know, to, to compete, uh, with what maybe cash might be capable of doing. Uh, you know, the bank might look at it still and go, Hey, that house is worth 450,000. And when you have that gap between 500 and 450, uh, you know, now, now you're in a bad spot from a finance perspective because the bank's going to go, Hey, that house is only worth 450, uh, and you're $50,000 above and they're, they're not going to eat it. Uh, they're going to turn around and go, Hey, we'll finance it still, but you're coming in with an additional 50,000 to make up the gap. And not all, not everybody has that. And uh, is that because if they have to foreclose on it, they now have a property that's worth less than what they had. Well, well they're putting, you know, I, I don't think they, they look at it necessarily from that standpoint at the very beginning. Uh, you know, they don't plan on going into foreclosure or, or loaning money out to people yeah. who can't pay it back. But, but I think the whole point is, is, you know, they're, they're basing percentages, meaning, you know, maybe loan to value. Like if you're going in and saying the magic number is 20%, it keeps you from having to get into, uh, you know, PMI, uh, which is uh, private, basically mortgage insurance uh, to insure the loan. Uh, you, you know, when you're, when you're having to come in with a ratio, they're not going to look at it and go, Hey, you're coming in with a true 20% down. Mm-hmm. If we're valuing it at 450 mm-hmm. yet you know somebody's willing to pay 500 for it so it, it creates a whole domino effect of other you know problems and, and the bank doesn't want to give out money when in their mind they're looking at it from a hey this is an artificially inflated price so basically uh, they're just saying this is a risky financial move yeah, it and becomes we're not risky. we're not able to to do this without certain measures put in place which is like PMI like they will give you yeah. a, well, eventually 500,000 but there's going to be all kinds there's going to be higher give, interest they won't give rate. you they won't give you that amount they're still going to base it on what the value it appraises at oh and they're going to make you pay the difference otherwise you're mm-hmm. going to end up have, probably having a deal that falls apart yeah. and which is one of the reasons why once again people like cash I see. Uh, you know, and that's where if you're financing, it can become more challenging in a market like today. Uh, you know, where where not only even if you were cash and you're competing with multiple offers, it's still challenging because even with you know if you've got five offers on the table and three or four of them are cash, you know you, those people are competing with each other too. Uh, you know, so you know, God forbid you're the guy that's you know trying to finance this. Uh, you know that that becomes even uh, one step further as far as a challenge. And I'm thinking about like instances and this is probably a common one which which was um if i'm looking to buy a new home mm-hmm. and that me buying a new home there's a contingency on me selling my home so if i need to sell my home in order to buy a new home yep. i need to make sure that cuz like i've heard a lot of instances where if you go to buy the home it's a very common problem the bank today. says okay we'll do it but you need to sell your home by this date or else you can't do the deal 
they'll say uh, your 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 loan will can only close so, if you sell your home by this date. So you're talking about somebody that already owns a home, yeah, and then is trying to purchase another home, yeah, yeah. So the problem is with that, a bank's still going to look at that home. Um, they're, they're they're still still going to look at it from a standpoint of you know where you have a DTI debt to income uh, you know issue. They 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 aren't going to necessarily look at it and go, hey. We know you're going to close on your home. You know you need to be able to basically afford that next home while you own the other home. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to run into a finance issue with that as well. Because uh, yeah. they'll still look at it where, hey, if you if you're financed on this home over here already, and we're going to give you another mortgage over here, they're still going to count that other payment that you over here mm-hmm. against you. Mm-hmm. So you you have to have enough income to support it, and it creates problems for people because now they're trying to transition. Not only that in a market where we have limited inventory. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so, uh, yeah, a lot, oftentimes what happens, especially in today's market, one of my first things when I'm talking to somebody that's looking to sell their home and relocate, uh, is, Hey, what's your plan? Um, because it's not easy just to go time stuff out right now and find the perfect home that you're going to transition to. And then with inflated, uh, rental rates today, uh, you know, it, it becomes a challenge because, Maybe you can't afford the new rental rates that are out there that you're, you know, having to move and, and uh, you know, pay. Uh, or, you know, you're, you're dealing with limited inventory there, too. So when you have a closing date that comes up, you got to know where you're going. And whether that be, hey, I have family I can go move with. I can, you know, relocate and stay with a friend over here. Uh, or, you know, find a rental, find a home to purchase. There's different options, but it still creates a challenge uh, in today's market. Uh, for people. Why are there such limited inventory right now, do you think? So I, I think part of it has, because of the amount of people moving to Southwest Florida, uh, you know, you, you have, you had a market that's been, there's been a fluctuation between new construction too. New construction, as we, you know, as the market was growing and we had people moving into the area, you know, the builders also kind of sat back a little bit at one point and went, hey, you know, are we building too fast and building too much? Are we going to get into trouble like we did last time where we had too many homes being done at once and being built at once? And and so there was a little bit of hesitancy maybe a year or two back, and it created a level of a gap that happened with the building industry too. So then all of a sudden they realized, oh, this market's fueling. And, and so when they came in, uh, you know, to keep up with inventory, it's been hard to keep up with it ever since that kind of happened. So that's a, that's a whole different factor, the new construction side of things. But then you had the re- you know, the, the resale, uh, homes in that mix as well. Uh, you know, it's, it's supply and demand demand, you know, got so strong, uh, to where between all of your spec homes from new construction getting bought up, we no longer had spec homes. Now you are on a waiting list to purchase. What is you know, a spec home? So spec home meaning that you already have a builder that has built a home. It's pretty much down to the final finishes where maybe there's a couple options for you to still choose, uh, you know, as, as the buyer that's coming in to purchase that home. Mm. But most of it's been picked out already. And, and it's almost at a point where the house is at a point of completion. Uh, you know, so what happens there is, is now when all that gets bought up, you can't even look at a new construction home. Maybe you can't wait for a new construction home. You know, and and today's market with supply issues and so forth, you know, you could run yourself a year, possibly longer on a home sometimes, you know, so when you're having supply issues and so forth, and it takes long, longer to build a home, 
uh, now you're looking at resale. So now that resale market, on top of the fact that we talked about low interest rates, we talked about a movement coming in because of what was going on in the world with, with COVID and so forth, and, and uh, you know, a mass movement of people coming to Southwest Florida, all of that on top of you know, the fact that maybe we can't wait to build a home, now all those people went over to resale, and that market got bought up. And, and so it's been a constant struggle of a catch-up game, you know, of how, how quickly can inventory come back on and catch up with demand. And it's been challenging. So now you have you know, a market where you've got difficulties uh, for people who are, you know, maybe they're wanting to just purchase their first-time home. Uh, you know, or, or maybe this is your second, you know, uh, retirement home, it's your secondary home, though, those, it is now very challenging to, you know, be able to compete in today's market and you're having to pay a premium, uh, you know, sometimes to compete too. I would appreciate it if everyone in this area would stop buying homes so that I can buy one. <laughs> and I would I don't appreciate think it's gonna it if you keep buying homes. <laughs> I have a home. Yeah. Uh, I, when we were, at Keystone this weekend, we were walking uh, to a restaurant, and this couple had come out, and they were on the phone, and the woman was screaming like, "We got it!" And no doubt, she was talking oh, about they got. That was the my house. first thought. I was yeah. thinking, I was going. Yeah. She just got herself a home. I was going, good for her. <laughs> right now, it's like winning the lottery. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was my first thought. So she sounds like she hit the lottery. Yeah, but it might be a home. <laughs> <laughs> what are, are there any like? Uh, things that you can take advantage of of being a first-time home buyer like government wise or not government wise like taxes wise or loan wise is there any like things that like there might be you know i so so there's not a lot out there right now um but one of the things that i do recommend uh you know i have specific lenders i like to work with because i have good relationships with them uh you know specifically loan officers uh because i i understand how they work you know, they treat my customers like a customer, not just the number in the file. That's huge. I mean, anytime you can have the level of quality go up in a transaction with, uh, you know, you have so many different parties involved in a transaction. So, you know, it's, it's, if you can have all those ducks in a row uh, with strong people, uh, you have a very successful transaction. It's smooth. Uh, you know, so, so uh, one of the first things I'll tell people, you know, that are looking to finance a transaction is, you know, hey, always check with your, your local bank that you bank with. Uh, you know, may, maybe they're offering you some kind of incentive, uh, you know, because you bank with them that I, I can't, you know, possibly get you, uh, you know, otherwise. And so sometimes that's a good idea, you know, but there are some challenges that come along with that, too. Like I said, sometimes you become more of a number in the file, you know, rather than, uh, you know, feeling like you're a customer, mm -hmm. uh, you know. And, and so it's it's what do you place value on and, and what what are you going to feel more comfortable with, uh, you know, but sometimes that's a suggestion that I'll make. Uh, you know, to, to not only give people options, but, but also see maybe there is something that's uh, beneficial to them, uh, you know, because of who, who they bank with. What is the, um, so like it, buying homes really tough. Uh, mm -hmm. I've got that out of the way. How long are you seeing it take for somebody who comes to you and goes, Zach, I want to buy a home from like, right from, from start to end, start to yeah. signing the closing documents. So, so you're, you're talking right about now. from the time we're under contract, or you're talking about from the time we're looking for a home? Time you're looking for a home. Yeah. Say, it's, yeah, get that first phone call to that last phone yeah. call. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, so today's market, it's it, it can be 
it can be three, four months, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially if you have, if you're ready to go and it's not so much the time of the transaction, you know, from, from one point you're under contract, uh, you know, closing it, it's the time it's taking to find the right home. Uh, you know, when you're in a market where you're dealing with limited inventory and, and one of the challenges I'm having and I'm explaining to my customers in today's market is, hey, don't get bogged down and get so frustrated and feel like you're priced out of the market necessarily, because it might not be that 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 you're priced out. You might feel that way. Uh, but sometimes it's the fact of because of the limitations with the amount of inventory we have, uh, it makes you feel discouraged. It makes you feel like, man, you know. Our, our money's not buying us what we want. Mm-hmm. And, and some, a lot of times it's not the fact that you can't afford to buy the home. It's that home doesn't exist at the moment. Uh, you know, so now, now you're having to, you know, possibly, I can't tell you whether it's going to come in a week. It might take three months before the right home pops up. Uh, you know, so, so that, that becomes a challenge too, is, is having patience, uh, you know, and, and being able to, you know, wait it out to find the right home. And some people can wait it out. Some people can't. You know, and some are having to compromise, uh, you know, maybe more so than they uh, probably, you know, initially anticipated. And if they're having to compromise, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, if they're compromising and they're buying a home, they're doing it to a degree that they're comfortable with. But why aren't people just saying, um, or or is it, is it people are, are kind of like the FOMO, like I need to buy the house now because I think in the future it'll be way more expensive and I can't rent for a while instead and wait until so there's multiple things going on there's the cost of rent right mm-hmm. rent rental rates are, are going through the roof it's it's amazing uh you know it's not uncommon maybe in naples to pay for a three-bedroom you know place that might be 15 16 1800 square feet and it's costing you 3500 a month that's not that's not normal for everybody mm-hmm. you know that that becomes very challenging and then you know you also are dealing with you know the race against the clock with interest rates you know, so there, there's somebody that's looking to finance might feel that pressure of going, oh, if I don't buy today, how many thousands of dollars more per year is a mortgage going to cost me because I didn't buy today versus buying, you know, a year from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so so there's a lot of pressure uh, on on buyers, which is fueling the market even more. Right. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's almost a race against the clock. Uh, you know, so, so, uh, yeah, I mean, those, the, all of those things are creating challenges, uh, you know, that, that are making it difficult for people aside from the fact of, you know, Hey, uh, have patience, we'll find the right home. Uh, you know, but, but that doesn't change those factors. Those factors are, are, uh, and that's where you, you get into, Hey, how much are we willing to compromise? Because we have other things that are going on, uh, that we don't have control over that are external factors, you know, versus, you know, what do we have control over? You know, so that's where I think it depends on the individual on how much you can compromise on, depending mm-hmm. on what the real motivation is. Uh, you know, if you're a cash, you know, buyer, you may not be uh, intimidated so much by some of these external factors, uh, you know, but, but uh, you know, there's, I th- so I think it's different challenges depending on who you are, uh, you know, and what your situation is. Sure. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if if I'm in the situation where um, I want to be in a house at some point, there's certain things that I I want in the house, yep. right? It has to be in a certain area. Uh, it's Might gonna, be a view. Yeah, view, whatever, you know. First floor, second floor. Hot tub in the master bedroom. There you go. Exactly. Uh, and I can't get those things right now. Mm-hmm. 
would you say, Miles, just put away those things for now, buy something that you can afford, and then in 10 years sell that and move into something else? Or would you say wait and get what yeah. you want? So, so it's, often, it's an often conversation that comes up. You know, everybody wants you to have a crystal ball, right? Everybody wants you to be able to tell them that in two years, this is what happens. <laughs> uh, you know, so because of so many things going on in the market, you know, whether that be politically, you know, global issues, uh, financial issues, uh, you know, and, and things directly related to microeconomics and so forth in, in, a, in a smaller, you know, scale, uh, you know, and community specific, uh, you know, there, there's so many factors going on to where you really need to look at it from your own individual standpoint and to figure out what's best. I can't give the same advice to this person over here and turn around and make it like it's some kind of cookie cutter decision and apply that to this person over here. You know, so so everybody has their own needs. Everybody has their own expectations, uh, you know, and, and, and just because that's the right decision for this person over here doesn't mean that that's the same thing that applies over here to this other, you know, potential uh, seller or buyer. Uh, you know, so, so uh, you know, you, you, I get asked that question, hey, should we just wait? You know, I, well, what if you're the person that's looking to finance and get, you know, rates where they're at today? Uh, versus, hey, yeah, sure, wait, and then all of a sudden you're paying 8% four years later. Uh, maybe that didn't make so much sense to that person that was finding it. Maybe it made more sense to the person that was cash. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it gets more expensive. Uh, you know, so I, I, I think it's very challenging. I think it's, you know, you, I remember maybe three, four years ago, you know, having customers go, well, I'm just going to wait this out. You know, this can't keep going on. And, and, and now <laughs> some of those people have lost interest completely where they're going, I, I can't even buy what I wanted now. Mm-hmm. And those people are gone. Uh, you know, they're, they're not, they're not even in the market to buy anymore. Uh, they don't even know when they'll be able to even get into places like Naples and so forth. So, and now they're kicking themselves. I've had conversations with those customers who have now, you know, moved out of the area and went, well, you know, it was nice. It was a nice thought while it was there. Uh, you know, so, so, uh, you know, to, to turn around and, and say that it's a good time to buy versus a bad time or a good time to sell versus, a, you know, I think it depends on the individual person and, and what, what you're needing, uh, you know, out of a home or selling a home, you know, it's the same thing, you know, if you're looking to do a local move, I've told people, Hey, if you're looking to sell your home because they can get a good price on their home now. Okay. Well, if you're looking to turn around and purchase something, it may not even make sense to do that unless you're changing product or maybe changing the type of, uh, you know, size of home or downsizing, or maybe wanting to upsize. I don't Mm -hmm. know, but, um, you know, so, so the, the correct answer is, I think it just depends and and it's not going to be the same answer applied across the board to everybody. Yeah, what's the most sought after type of home right now, at least in your area? Like, you know what I mean? Uh, number of bedrooms, square yeah. foot. Um, you know what? I don't. I don't. So once again, that's not a question that can be answered. The everybody has different needs. Yeah. You know, maybe somebody's looking for a low maintenance lifestyle. Once that secondary home, once a condo, you know, type environment where they can turn around, pack their stuff up, put the shutters down, you know, go back up north, uh, you know, uh, during the summertime and and be able to come back to visit and, and live in Naples. And it 
look the same and everything's been taken care of, you know, for them. Or, or maybe you have the person that wants a full-time, you know, residence and they're looking for something that's, that's uh, you know, fits that lifestyle more. So uh, I think it just depends on, on the individual once again, on, on what, what you're needing and what type of product you need, uh, you know, in the market. So it's, it's not really a, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's the same type of product, you know, across the board or, or uh, you know, one's better than the other. Uh, yeah. But I mean, everything's kind of generally sold out right now. Right. Is there more stock of a so, certain? So we're, we're getting within days of, uh, you know, inventory left on the market, uh, you know, and, and so that's that, like I said, that's creating challenges, uh, you know, across the board. It doesn't matter whether you're looking for a condo or a single family home. Yeah. Uh, across the board, we have relative, uh, you know, low inventory levels. Mm-hmm. What is your what is your. Um ratio of people of of your business uh selling and buying homes like yeah. so so in my bit it's different for every you know every realtor uh in in my business personally uh i i run i typically run probably around 50 50 mm-hmm. uh some and, and it fluctuates sometimes uh a lot of times you know i might be a little bit more on on list the listing side uh you know but but uh you know that I, I tend to run pretty pretty even across the board, uh, which is really a great spot to be in. Uh, Are you seeing uh, ha- or having a, a few uh, clients coming to you and setting make me move prices, or like have you had any of those? Where like, hey, uh, we don't like you know we don't really want to mm-hmm. move, but we're want we know that the market's on mm-hmm. fire. So so most of those customers that are kind of in that category. Most of them are looking to, you know, obviously maximize what they can get out of their home. Uh, and a lot of them are either looking to rent in the meantime or downsize into something uh, temporarily. Uh, and, and maybe they will want to pocket some of the money out of their, their uh, you know, home that they're selling uh, in the meantime. So, yeah, I mean, that's but but once again, you know, there's some challenges there because it's not easy just to turn around and get into another home on the other end. You know, so it's a uh, it, it's a little nerve wracking for that that potential seller, uh, you know, that's, that's looking to do, do that. But yeah, I mean, that's that you do have the people who are looking to take advantage of today's prices and market that own, you know, uh, homes, uh, currently. And, and yeah, a lot of them are looking to sell and and they're in that category to where, Hey, I don't really want to sell unless I can get this price. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and that's the conversation you got to have with them and see if their expectations are realistic or not. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to turn around and list somebody's home unless I think we, we can sell it. You know, you might have uh, some kind of an inflated mindset that your house is worth three, 400,000 more than what it really is. And, you know, what good does that do to take that potential listing and end up with a customer that's just upset in the end? Uh, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, do you so when you go and you look at a house that's for sale and you decide you want to buy it so you mm-hmm. you put an offer in and the seller goes and accepts the offer mm-hmm. and then it goes into closing right it goes into like it was under contract yeah, it's in now. a pending status yeah mm-hmm. what is the typical length of that that process from accepted offer to closing yeah so if you're finance it's not uncommon to be in that 30 to 45 day range mm-hmm. uh you know if you're cash you literally could close it by the time you can get title work done on the property and so forth. What does that look like? So, so, I mean, you could typically do it probably 15, 20 days. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, if you're cash, 
the exception to that is a lot of a lot of these, especially in Florida, uh, a lot of uh, communities and, and homes that are in developments uh, often are in associations, whether it be a homeowners association or a condo association, and those associations have their own requirements for approval processes and so forth. So when you're looking at you know maybe a gated community that you're looking to move into. They might have a 15, 20, sometimes 30-day minimum requirement to be able to allow time for processing. And why that is, they might have a local board there that uh, you know, basically goes through all these applications that get turned in, and they might only meet once a month. Mm. You know? So you know, if they're only meeting once a month and they just met yesterday and you put it under contract today— you know, then, then all of a sudden you're going, oh, wow, I'm going to have to wait till almost the 30-day cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so uh, sometimes it's not the matter of how quick can a lender close it or how quick can you get an attorney's office or a title company to close it. Uh, you know, assuming that the seller and buyer's, uh, you know, expectations are met too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, may, uh, it, it may be down to the fact that you have to wait for an association to have approval as well. What, are, what is, the, in your mind, some of the most common reasons why somebody could lose the contract mm-hmm. after it goes under contract. Yeah. Uh, not, not prepping, uh, in advance, uh, you know, and, and properly preparing, uh, to go under contract on a home, you know, so if you're a finance buyer, like, you know, and, and my transactions run really smooth because we do prep, uh, in advance, uh, you know, and that means if you're getting financing, make sure you're pre-approved, you know, make sure that you as a buyer, you understand what you're capable of doing. So that when you do go under contract, you know, and, and, and it's everything, you know, hey, great, you got approved for 400000 but did you factor in the fact that you might have money that needs to go to homeowners association dues? Okay, well, you know, you got approved with a lender, but you didn't tell your lender that you were probably going to have $300 a month in HOA expenses. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden now, yeah, you were approved for 400000 assuming you were in an association. So that's where you come to, you know, a realtor and, and, and you're working on getting your pre-approval with a lender. You know, being a realtor, you're asking some of these questions. You're wanting to make sure that the buyer that you're working with, uh, you know, has been properly approved, uh, pre-approved and and has considered these things, uh, you know, because if they're looking to be, you know, maybe out on acreage, you know, that's not in an association and, and uh, you know, no kind of regulations and rules and so forth from that standpoint, then then maybe, yeah, you don't have to worry about maybe their purchasing power actually goes up higher because they didn't have to pay HOA fees or condo association dues. And that's something to think about, because now all of a sudden maybe we can be more competitive in this market, assuming you're not going to buy a home in an association. You know, so, uh, you know, now all of a sudden I realize, hey, you have more purchasing power, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and uh, whereas originally maybe they didn't think that through. Um, you know, so, you know, basically making sure that you're financially ready to purchase a home making sure that you're talking to your lender before you go out and make big purchases. Uh, you know, and if you're a cash buyer, obviously you want to make sure that, you know, you have your ducks in a row and so forth. And there's, there's little hurdles and so forth that people don't think of if they're pulling out, you know, money out of a 401k or a retirement account. Sometimes there's, there's processing time with pulling money out of those accounts. So just make sure you're allowing yourself enough time prior to closing. So you don't run into last minute hurdles on, on being able to fund your transaction. You know, so there's there's lots of but those are things that we you know are are constantly keeping tabs on throughout the transaction, making sure that we prep that we have a, a smooth transaction. You know. HOA is so, such a weird world to me. It's like, especially it's, from other parts of the country too, because yeah. there's a lot of it's interesting because I talk to a lot of customers that are you know out of state, and they're moving to the area and they're going, hey, 
we're not used to this homeowners association thing yet you know we have it everywhere here uh it's not uncommon to have that not to say that you don't have to buy a home you can buy a home that's not in an association but we we definitely have a lot of homeowners association condo association relative to other states and areas in the country that that maybe aren't so used to that well, uh, type of environment so then explain why what it like what are you <laughs> actually paying for yeah so you know when you're 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 paying for multiple things and it depends on what community you're moving into and so forth you know one of the things that that I often talk to my customers about when when we're trying to decide on how much money to allocate towards dues and association you know fees and so forth is you know hey before you decide that four or five thousand dollars a year in fees is too much ask yourself well what am I getting for those fees uh, you know and and that that really can make a difference for somebody somebody might think hey four or five thousand and we have communities where it might cost you thirty thousand dollars what, what is the most expensive monthly HOA do you've seen um, you know I don't I don't know offhand but I mean we have communities that you could see fifty plus thousand dollars a year in fees oh my god and and it might be because you have membership dues for whether it be a golf club that you you have to be a part of uh, there might be requirements that that association requires you to be a part of, whether it be a social membership, and then they have spending, you know, minimums that you have to spend in those associations. Meaning, you know, hey, maybe they have a food and beverage minimum at their club, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So, so, uh, and maybe you see value in that, and that's why I'm saying before, you know, obviously you might go as a as a potential consumer in the market, you might go, well, Zach, you know, it doesn't matter how much value I'm getting. I'm not spending any more than $8,000 a year in fees just because I can't spend any more than that. That's where I'm capped at. But before you, you know, and, and that's fine. That really helps narrow things down from a property search perspective. But the correct answer is to ask yourself, you know, when, when you might cap yourself at a max at $8,000, $10,000 a year in fees. But before you decide that, you know, 8000 is too much for this community, ask yourself, you know, well, what am I getting for those dues? And going back to your question on, on uh, you know, well, what kind of things do you get? Well, it could be anything from lawn maintenance, maybe high-speed internet, p- cable packages, maybe it's streaming packages that you can get, you know, uh, through your association for TV and so forth. Uh, water uh, might be included. Uh, and sometimes even, you know, sometimes homeowners associations, but specifically definitely condos, uh, you know, many times condo associations, you might have part of your master insurance policy paid for, uh, you know, within those those uh, fee structures, you know, and that matters a lot because all of a sudden you're going, hey, I have a master insurance policy that's paying for part of the insurance through the dues that I'm paying. So now some of that money is going to allocate towards insurance costs. Whereas you would have paid a full policy out of pocket otherwise. So now you're going, well, maybe I only need to do like a walls in policy, you know, almost maybe relative to like a renter's insurance policy, you know, from a cost perspective sometimes, uh, you know, and, and, and so you might go, hey, you know, I would have had to spend 1800 a year in insurance and now I'm only having to spend 900 because some of it's getting paid through the association dues, uh, you know, and then you have, you know, your, your pool, your clubhouse your gated, you know, entrance, maybe you have a manned gate guard, uh, that's up front. So, you know, it could be, it could be many, many things that are structured within your association dues. Uh, you know, reserves are a huge one. Uh, you know, reserves mean a lot, uh, you know, especially if you're, well, reserves meaning, so if you're like purchasing, let's just say in a community that's, you know, has condos, uh, you know, reserves is money that's put aside by the association to help 
offset maintenance costs associated with maybe the buildings, uh, the homes, maybe other parts of the community, the clubhouse facilities and so forth. Uh, so that when it comes time for maybe the roofs to be replaced or the buildings need painted every eight years, that money is already there sitting ready to fund the project or the parking lot that needs to be resurfaced. Uh, you know, so, you know, how, how does the money, you know, where does the money come from to pay for those things? Well, if they don't have proper reserves in place and they're not putting money away, well, then there's a chance that you could end up seeing something, you know, called a special assessment, uh, which all of a sudden you're going, you know, special assessments aren't fun. It's it's surprise costs that pop up for, to fund a project that needs to be, you know, in many cases, uh, you know, dealt with, uh, you know, and all of a sudden a hurricane comes in and you find out that you're not getting the insurance to cover it for some reason, but they still need to fix the roofs. Okay, well, where's that money coming from? If they don't have reserves for it, they might turn around and say, hey, there's 50 doors here that make up this community. We have, you know, uh, $100,000 worth of expenses, and they're going to turn around and split that up amongst 50 doors. And, and you're going to be required to pay that uh, as a homeowner there. Uh, you if know, you don't, uh, what, what do they do? Yeah, so, I mean, technically, if you didn't pay, you could end up getting into a foreclosure process at the end. Uh, or you could get smacked with fees that were on top of that prior to that, you know, but, but it could end up at the end into a foreclosure process where, uh, you know, you've got backed up dues. And, and the thing is, is some people may choose not to pay them and get away with it, but when they go to sell their home, it'll, Higher. it'll come back and it'll come out of the proceeds, uh, you know, because yeah. they, that's debt against the property that has to be satisfied. So basically, hypothetically speaking, if I own my home mm-hmm. outright and the bank wasn't involved at all and I just stopped paying my dues and I just plan to live in my home for the rest of my life. What, what could they possibly do? They could, they could get into a foreclosure process. Really? With whom? The, With state? the association could foreclose on you. Really? Mm-hmm. Just evict me? Uh, eventually. Really? Yeah. If you owe more than your home is worth or something, or what does it take? No, I don't know what the exact dollar amount is on it. Um, I'd have to find that out. But yeah. but at the end of the day, uh, you know, the association can technically foreclose on you. That's correct. And they, for, they would own the house? Who would own the house yeah. at that point? They would? Yeah. They would, they it could, doesn't seem take, legal they, to they me. They could foreclose on it and wow. take, take title to it. That's crazy. Yeah. They were just like getting a no, they probably wouldn't go to... that. They probably wouldn't go that far, you know, uh, but, but at the same time, uh, you know, because associations also can have liability and so forth, depending on right. what's happening but a lot of times you may end up having where you just have a massive amount of backed up dues that would happen and, and uh so you basically can't sell and it's still house. attached to the property yeah. so like even if you go to sell it you're gonna have to pay back what i wonder owe. if you could settle if you could if you could create such a, ma- a massive amount of backup dues and then go to them and they go hey you owe us five thousand and i go listen let's just settle this and i'll give you three I doubt they, that. Really? No. <laughs> I feel like it's like medical, like you know when no, when your might, medical bills get sent might to be a able collection to agency, some kind of payment plan possibly. But yeah. I, I doubt that. At the end of the day, you owe the money, just like the next door neighbor owes the money. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they're they're not out giving forgiveness to people. You know, it's 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 you know, like I said, maybe they might structure a payment plan with you to help you a little bit. But is it public knowledge within the community? So could you know that Chase isn't paying his dues? <clears throat> Yeah, because uh, they could put a lien on your house, which I think is public, not public uh, knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could go find out who who, who owes what and who the backed up, you know, how, much bad, how much bad debt. It's technically considered bad debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, have you ever seen a, a a contract go through because the buyer who thought they were getting into a good community realizes that the HOA <clears> is 
basically bankrupt and has an enormous amount of debt? So depending on the type of lending you're doing, um, there may be certain requirements. Uh, like sometimes when you're, you know, you might have a, like an FHA loan and they might require, you know, certain amount uh, of, of the dues being applied towards reserves and so forth. So sometimes you might have a, a specific type of loan. Uh, that has certain requirements uh, with an association, and it could even be requirements down to hey, you know, one owner can't can't own you know more than X amount of homes in a community from a percentage standpoint in order to get financing. Uh, I have seen where people cannot, no matter how bad you want that home, you can't get financing on it necessarily. Uh, you know, from a conventional loan standpoint, uh, because of the amount of of homes that are owned by one specific owner in a community. Who is this? Who, who goes to a community is like, I want all of these. Some, homes. Sometimes you might have an owner that owns 30% of the homes uh, or in an association owns 30% of the condos uh, in there. And it might be just a large, could be a corporate investor uh, that's come in and bought 30% of the properties in there and is renting them all out. Yeah, that does happen. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me in the end of this that it's very important to look into if you're moving into a place that has an association, look into it. Oh, absolutely. And and the nice thing is the way our contracts are set up, uh, you know, for the most part, um, there, there is some time uh, stamps that are in that are built into our contracts that allow the buyer, uh, you know, some time, especially like a condo association. There's there's a, a, a right of rescission period in there where you can make sure that you're satisfied with all the documents and going through the association rules and regs. And making sure that 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 uh, you know that you're satisfied with how it's structured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does one, if you're if you are a buyer, how does one get into that knowledge? Like, how, how do yeah. you get in contact with the so association? You, well, a lot of times you rely on your realtors, you yeah. know, to help provide that information and gather that information for you. Uh, you know, and 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 you know, you you want to be well informed about what you're purchasing. You're spending sometimes some, some of the most amount of money that you'll ever spend in your lifetime. And, you know, it would probably be smart to understand what you're purchasing into, uh, you know, and, and so you get access to those documents and those, uh, you know, condo docs, whether homeowners association docs, uh, you know, that show how it's structured. Maybe you'll see financial budgets that'll help you understand what kind of reserves they're putting in place. Uh, you know, and, and, and I like to look through those things, too, because it helps you understand, you know, well, are they putting money away for the roofs? Are they putting money away for painting? You know, and, and then uh, sometimes it's not a bad idea to ask the association or the property manager there, you know, have have you guys had any special assessments in the last 10 years? It'll give you an idea of how that community functions and whether uh, special assessing uh, homeowners is a normal routine or, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, something that's very rare, uh, you know, and, and it's sometimes it's one of those things where I cautious, caution my customers and I go, hey, you might want to make sure you're fully aware that, hey, if you're buying into an association that only has eight homes that make up the entire association versus a community that has 100 to 150 homes, if two of those people out of eight homes go belly up, who's paying for everything? The other six homes. You know, versus, hey, maybe you have, you know, five, ten homes that go belly up in a, you know, in, in a association that makes up 100, 150 homes. It might be less of an impact, uh, you know, to you personally uh, owning that home versus, uh, you know, less people having to carry the weight for the whole thing. Uh, you know, so that's important. Everything's great and while well, it's great. And then 
the minute something that doesn't go, you know, correctly or doesn't go well down the road, you know, now, now you have to deal with that. Uh, you know, so everything might seem great now, um, you know, but, but I do like to let my customers base, you know, have a basic understanding of, of that concept. Uh, and then from there they can make their purchase decision. And if they're still okay with it, that's fine. Uh, you know, but it is something to think about. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, it's probably the most amount of money you'll be spending in your life. Yeah. How do you, my question is how do you even know what that, uh, amount of spending even should be? Who do you talk to about that? So I think it's like, you know, like many things, um, I think it depends on your financial situation. Right. And, and, uh, your, your level of risk tolerance might be different than somebody else's. Uh, you know, you might have more of a stable job, maybe you're less stable, you know, and, and so, you know, I think it depends on the individual on, on what, uh, you know, would be spending more than you should versus, you know, not spending, uh, you know, or having the ability to spend more and, 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 and that depends on what you're wanting to, you know, sometimes it's not all about having the biggest and best home. Sometimes it's about having the small home, uh, you know, that's easier to clean, that's easier to make, you know, maintain, take care of, and, uh, you know, allows you to do other things in life. Uh, you know, being house poor might not be something you're interested in, uh, or maybe it's very easy and, and, it, and doesn't really matter. You, you know, money's not an issue. Uh, you know, so I, I think it's different for everybody. And, who, um, and, and I don't always think it's, you know, necessarily a financial thing that helps you decide on whether it's, it's a, you know, a good home or not. Yeah. But, and then, so, you know, say me and my wife talk mm-hmm. about it. We think we make this much money. Our jobs are stable. We have this debt. Yep. Uh, we have this much saved. Uh, I, it's our first house we're buying. I still, I may know how much I have right now and then I could apply the 20% rule and then maybe look up some things about how much house I could, could afford potentially Mm -hmm. based on my income. Then should I go to get a real estate agent and say, Hey, how much do you think we could purchase? Or should I then go to my bank? So if you're looking to finance, you know, I I think it's, I think it's a combination of a couple things. You know, if you're a realtor and you're a good realtor, you shouldn't really be running somebody around without knowing whether they're qualified or not. You know, so there wouldn't be anything wrong with you coming to somebody like me and going, hey, you know, Zach, uh, can you help me find a home? And then my response would be, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. But have you been pre-qualified yet or pre-approved? And, uh, you know, you might go, no, not yet. And then the next thing is I'd be telling you, well, hey, you know, do you have somebody that you know that's, you know, uh, in the the lending industry that you want to work with already? And you might go yes or no. And and from there, we would work on getting you in the right direction and, and figure out what you're capable of doing. And then just because you're capable of doing it doesn't mean that you need to go max out what you're capable of doing, <laughs> uh, you know, unless that's your goal. But, um, you know, but but then from there, being able to decide, you know, hey, this is what we can afford out of max. This is what we want out of a home. And and sometimes you got to realize it's not just about a home. The other half of that, and sometimes more importantly, in some in some instances, is what kind of lifestyle do we want? Uh, you know, it's not always about the walls, the roof the foundation. Sometimes it's about, well, what do we want out of a lifestyle? Different homes in different locations, different areas will offer you different lifestyles. Some people are willing to pay more for a lifestyle than the home itself, right? Tiny homes. Tiny homes. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever <laughs> sold any tiny homes? Uh, 
Not specifically. <laughs> I, I don't really think of Naples as an area where we, we focus on tiny homes. Yeah. Say. I don't but, think of Florida as a, unless it's a trailer park. <laughs> that's, that's the tiny home of Florida. I, I, I've never sold a home in a trailer park. Not to say that, hey, that wouldn't happen. But, uh, you know, and that's a whole different thing. A lot of times when you're in a trailer park, you, you don't necessarily have a deeded property per se. Uh, yeah. It might be sold more like a vehicle where you have a, uh, a, uh, a, a, you know, a bill of sale attached with a title. Right. So, so uh, you know, but... Uh, you know, it's, it's more, you know, about, you know, potential lifestyle home, maybe it's a combination, you know, and, and then from there, uh, you know, you need to decide what's best for you and then what, you know, what kind of limitations you have from affordability and standpoint. And, you know, maybe you can get exactly what you want for less. Maybe you got to realize, Hey, we got to figure out how to make it happen. Cause we, you know, need a little bit more than what, what, uh, we feel we can afford at the moment. And from there, you got to decide, you know, what's, what avenue do you want to take from a purchase decision? Uh, you know, so uh, it's very different for everybody. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Is this a good time for somebody who's interested in getting into real estate from a realtor perspective to join into the market? Yeah. So um, yes and no. Uh, you know, if you think that this is a career for you and this is what you want to do for your, you know, your career and, and uh, you know, it becomes a lifestyle too. Uh, you know, but if that, if this is really what you want to do, then yes. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think whether the, you know, economy is in a state of, of mind where, where we're, you know, uh, running into bad times versus being in awesome times. I don't think that really matters from that perspective. If it's what you wake up and love to do every day and, you know, you can have a bad day and still get up the next day and go, this is what I love to do. Yeah. hundred percent. You should get into it. Uh, you know, but if, if this is something where, uh, you know, you're, you're going to try it out and, you know, you think that, you know, this is going to be easy, uh, it's not an easy business, uh, you know, to get into in general. Uh, but I would find, I would think that getting into the market now, uh, it would be very hard and difficult. Uh, a lot of people might feel otherwise because they're going, Oh, you know, real estate boom, Everything's going great. Well, yeah, but everybody and their mom has a license, real estate license right now. And, you know, sure, you might find, you know, where you could sell one or two homes here or there. Uh, you know, but but I think because of the level of competition, meaning there's a lot more realtors in the market, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, a lack of inventory in the market. That's huge. Uh, you know, I actually find that to be more challenging than the amount of people that have their license in this market. Um, you know, if you only have 10 homes to sell and there's 100 realtors, uh, you still only have 10 homes to sell. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that that's where the challenge becomes. Uh, I think it would be this. This is a business where uh, it can be very difficult to break into the industry and survive. Um it takes you have to be in a position where you can you can get into it financially and be able to carry yourself through so as long as you're willing to put in the effort and 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 do what it takes to build your business in this industry uh i think you'll be successful um but today's market uh is as glamorous as it sounds i think it also creates a lot of challenges for people who are getting licensed uh you know today and and trying to get in and break into the market uh, specifically because of the level of competition and the lack of inventory that's in this market. What is uh, what is something, uh, or say I wanted to uh, begin my journey to yep. becoming a realtor, what is the first things you need to, to do? Yeah. So obviously you got to get your license. 
How do you do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, so so you have usually you have local boards, uh, you know, that are within your community. Uh, you have uh, real estate schools uh, that exist within your communities, and you got to find out who they are and 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 who you feel comfortable with using. Uh, you know, and you'll go into you know getting into signing up for classes and so forth. You'll work on getting your license. You'll pass those classes, you know, the, the, the exam that's there. And then from there, you'll move on to your state exam. Uh, once you pass your, you know, state exam, the next step after that is you'll need to be able to go in and hang your license with a broker. Uh, it's a little bit backwards, traditionally speaking, from what you would think about applying to a job. Uh, you know, you're actually going to be interviewing brokers to figure out who you're going to hang your license with. Rather than the broker, you know, there might be a combination, uh, you know, uh, of, you know, whether a broker is going to allow you to hang your license with them. <laughs> how, do, um, how do they come to determine that? Well, you know, there might, you might have a broker that is more lackadaisical on that. Uh, or you might have, you know, specifically, I, I, you know, hang my license with John Arwood Properties in Naples, Florida. Uh, you know, they're, they're not a broker that just uh, allows anybody to hang their license with them. Uh, there's a level of integrity that they want, uh, you know, to 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 uh, you know, be a part of uh, that that brokerage, uh, you know. So so uh, not only are you interviewing brokers, but they might also be interviewing you in a way, uh, and and figuring out whether you you know fit the culture and so forth that they're looking to portray within the market, uh, you know. So. Uh, you know, and there might be certain requirements that you're going to need to be able to hold, uh, you know, as far as uh, sales and so forth and, and uh, uh, you know, what, what you need to do basically to hold up your end of the bargain to be a part of, of, of that brokerage. So, um, you know, but but going back to stepping back, you know, you, you got to hang your license with a broker, uh, you know, and then from there, uh, the first step to becoming a successful realtor is not being a secret agent. Uh, you know, let everybody know that you're getting into the business and, and that you're looking to grow your business and, and, and you know, whether that be friends, family, uh, we call it our, your sphere of influence, uh, you know, let everybody know what you're doing because those are the first people that are going to be willing to, you know, hopefully give you the opportunity to help them either find a home or sell a home, uh, you know, family and friends, right? Uh, you know, and, and, you know, so that's, that really becomes uh, the foundation that will, uh, you know, help you. Now, it's not that way for everybody. It might not be family or friends necessarily, but uh, that's definitely the first step. Those are people who already know that you exist, uh, you know, and, and uh, one of the challenges in this business is, is most people don't really, you know, the fact that you have your real estate license, you're a realtor, they may not really need you until they need you, uh, you know, from a standpoint of selling or buying a home. Uh, you know, so they might be fine with it, but the problem is, is you need to stay in front of those people, uh, so that when it does come time to buying or selling a home, uh, hopefully you'll be the first in their mindset. Is that why my real estate agent keeps sending me junk mail? <laughs> like I get one every other week. Yeah. And it may not be. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Uh, you know, that's reminder type advertising you know, that's, that's, uh, somebody that's trying to make sure that you don't forget who they are. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's somebody that already earned your business once, uh, you know, and, and they're probably hoping to hold on to that uh, relationship that they built with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, this this is a relationship type business. 
uh, they know, wanted so- to uh, cater my home warming party. <laughs> and I was like, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> like, you wanted to show up with the food, yep. everybody that's there attending. Yep. You're like, oh, hey, yeah, I so- incredible home, right? <laughs> I sold idea. it with Chase, or I helped Chase <laughs> buy it. It's crazy. So, I can help you also it, buy it's, it. It's clever, and, and that, that might work. Uh, yeah. you know, but at the same time, uh, you know, relationships are huge in this business. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, like, that's uh, probably, you know? that's probably the, one of the single most important things, uh, you know, is, is remembering a relationship, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, uh, that doesn't need, mean you need to spam your customer, you know, every other day, <laughs> but, uh, at the same time, uh, you know, that I, 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 that's one of my favorite things about this business is, uh, meeting people, uh, you know, and, and being able to help, you know people uh you know with their path on what they're looking to uh pursue uh you know in real estate and and you meet a lot of neat interesting people you know there's no day where it's the same routine every day uh you know the conversations you get into the people you meet uh you know the families you can help uh you know it, it it's it becomes uh uh you know rewarding uh, yeah very rewarding um you know and and uh Seeing people succeed, uh, you know, is an is an awesome uh, part of that reward. Uh, you know, whether that be financially or whether that be, you know, uh, finding you know comfort in the home that they live in. Uh, yeah, and you probably get you get to share that moment with them when you tell yeah, them, somewhat. "Hey, mm-hmm. you won the house," basically, yeah, yeah, and some, they're somewhat. excited, and you're you know you're excited for them. Absolutely, and it's a big deal. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, and and uh, you know, it's a special moment too, right? You know, it's it's a uh, it's a moment that some people only do once or twice in their lifetimes, and then you have people who uh, do it every four or five years, sometimes more. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it means different things to different people, right? Uh, you know, and some people are so used to it they they understand it, you know, because they've done it every uh, you know every other year, and uh, whereas you might have somebody that you know this is this is where they're on the 15, 20 year plan now, whether that really works out that way. That's another thing, but that might be their mindset and that's a big deal. Since you've met a lot of different people, mm-hmm. have you met anyone who is a crypto millionaire yet? I, buy in their house? I wish that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> so, but I'm sure, <laughs> uh, some, I'm, I'm sure that exists. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah sure. I'm sure that yeah. exists. Uh, you know, so, so, uh, you know, that, if you can imagine it, it's probably happening. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, do uh, so you met you. So you mentioned you're with John R. Wood, which mm-hmm. I heard you're number five in the company. I, I was Naples. number five in my office. Correct. Congratulations! Wow, awesome. That's, that's exciting. Really good. Because yeah. they're, they're one of the more premier brokers in town. Right? Yeah, they they've been around since 1958 uh, in the time. Southwest Florida area. You know, uh, yeah, it's like one, when it didn't even exist. It was back when uh, you know you were uh, pretty much riding around looking at property in jeeps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know matter of fact we had a, a slogan you know back in the day walk on it before you buy it yeah uh, you know, and that was that was to you know figure out whether it was uh you know suitable land now it's so look forth. at pictures on zillow before <laughs> you buy it <laughs> hey, or, or do a zoom session right yeah, yeah zoom session. <laughs> did you have to do that during covid oh no we're still doing it uh still you know doing? it's one of the things that's changed in the industry uh and and it really resulted out of a, 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 a probably in a I would say it's a positive thing that came out of, uh, you know, if you want to look at any positive that came out of COVID, uh, you know, from this, it's one of those things that the business really changed and adapted in a different way. And, you know, it's not, it makes it easier for, for people who are looking to purchase, uh, you know, in the area, 
by being able to do things like Zoom sessions and so forth, uh, you know, sometimes they can often feel comfortable enough to make a purchase decision without even actually being physically in the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and it creates challenges. Uh, you know, I, I don't personally like saying, hey, I'm part of helping somebody pick out a home necessarily without them being there. Uh, you know, but but I've gotten pretty good at it to where I can really help somebody understand what they're purchasing, uh, you know, from something as simple as a Zoom session, yeah. uh, you know, and it's actually really cool because it's one of those things, too. What did it do? It allowed us to fuel the real estate industry yeah. even more. Uh, and how many people are now purchasing without actually physically being in the home? And what is that doing now to the level of inventory uh, that we have? It's speeding up the demand. Yeah faster uh you know which is like it's scaling the the time it is yeah um you know so uh and there's good and bad that come along with that uh i can imagine that's a little bit nerve-wracking for you because you're not just trying to sell a house you want a happy i want to absolutely the the most important part for me uh in this industry is making sure i help my customer find the right home yeah so doing Uh, over you know it it, the way I, i for me you know for some people it might be a numbers game uh, you know, I, I will surely give up a sale to keep my integrity, uh, you know, but but uh, at the same time, you know, I, I want to make sure that at the end of the day, we find the right home for my customer. What um, so what 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 does a broker do? Mm-hmm. Like so you mentioned like a part of the process of doing real estate is yeah. hanging your license that you right. you uh, earned by passing an exam mm-hmm. With a broker, like why couldn't you just get your license you and start selling? You could, you could get your brokerage license. Uh, so you have to get an, a brokerage license. You, you could. You have so to have you have one. to hang your license with a broker um, in the state of uh, Florida. So, so you you could technically, uh, you know, get your broker's license and run your own show from that standpoint. But there's a lot that comes along with a broker, especially, you know, you you look at a, a broker, you know, like like the broker that I you know I work with is being around uh, in the community for as long as they've been, uh, you know, having the level of integrity that they've built within the market. Uh, you know, when somebody knows, hey, I'm working with, uh, you know, an agent at John Arwood Properties, uh, you know, you can have a level of expectation that comes along with that, uh, you know, and, and, and whether that be the level of integrity, uh, whether that be professionalism, uh, you, you know that you're going to get it there. Uh, you know, so... But there's more than just that side of it. Uh, there, there's the, you know, you, you have somebody that's able to, on the back end, um, make sure that there it's another set of eyes from a liability standpoint, uh, whether it be marketing type materials, uh, owning certain types of publications uh, that, that are put out within the industry. Uh, it gives you access to those tools that are going to be able to turn around and benefit the customer at the end of the day. Uh, you know, and, and the resources that are available to you, uh, to whether that be trying to uh, expand globally uh, outside the market uh, to something that's, you know, from a micro scale, uh, you know, within the community, uh, it, it allows you to have those resources to help at the end of the day, ultimately uh, benefit the customer, uh, you know, and, and, and give them the resources and tools that they need, whether it be purchasing or buying a home to selling a home, uh, it only helps enhance that experience. Uh, you know, so that, that really, uh, you know, and, and, and that level of, uh, you know, resources, uh, you know, uh, the, the level of integrity that comes along with that and so forth, that might change from one brokerage to another. They're not all equal. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons why I haven't left my brokerage. You see, you see where agents might jump around from one brokerage to another. Uh, it's one of the reasons I joined them originally is, is, uh, you know, the level of integrity that comes along with that, the image that they present amongst the community. Uh, you know, they, they also have a huge side of them that, you know, uh, pertain to the luxury market as well. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a very sought after brokerage, uh, you know, that has very deep ties from everything from a level of uh, philanthropy and, you know, down to, you know, the customer's experience and expectations, uh, you know, so it's not all about just selling homes. It's about giving back to the community and being able to, you know, help, help the community where it's needed, uh, you know, to succeed and so forth uh, and giving back, uh, you know, so it's not always, it's not, it's not about take, take, take. It's about giving back to the community. Yeah. <clears throat> You sound like a sales guy for John R. Wood. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud to be amongst Very the best. Very PC of you. Yes, give back to the community. I, That's I, what we do. I am proud to be amongst the best. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. You know, so um, so uh, sounds kind of uniony to me. Uh, no. So I wouldn't I wouldn't want to use the word union because that's it sounds kind of strange. Uh, I, I would probably say family oriented. Yeah. Uh, I, I know if I need a colleague that I know that had a certain experience in the industry mm-hmm. uh, with something that they dealt with and I personally haven't dealt with that, I could easily go ask that colleague, uh, you know, for help and, and maybe some advice based on their experience. Uh, and, and rather than it being, oh, you're competition and, and I'm not willing to help you, it's yeah. it's the opposite of that. Uh, you know, so so there's a there's a culture there, uh, you know, that, you know, amongst my colleagues where where there's a level of success that everybody wants to to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so so uh, I, I definitely wouldn't use the word union, but that's that's uh, it, it's more a family oriented environment. Yeah. Um, amongst... so you're basically associating yourself with a brand. Yeah, absolutely. That's... And it's and it's and, and along with the brand, it's made up of highly sophisticated professional people in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that are very smart people, uh, you know, that that understand the business from a day to day basis. Uh, you know, this these are not other realtors and colleagues that do this as a part time gig. Uh, they're in this because this is what they do uh, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, really rewarding to be a part of a group, uh, like that because everybody is very, uh, you know, uh, oriented into the market where they know everything that's going on. Uh, you know, whether that be trends, whether that be language that's constantly changing in contracts, uh, it, it becomes a, a group that's very involved on a day-to-day basis, uh, which is important because th- these are people who are handling, uh, you know, transactions with lots of money that's passing in and out on a daily basis, uh, you know, and, and it should, it should be people who know what they're doing mm-hmm. on a day in day out uh, basis. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's, uh, a, a very, very important concept. I, I would find it to be very hard to be in this business, uh, and do this correctly. Uh, if I wasn't doing this on, on a day, daily basis, uh, you know, there, there are so many things that are constantly changing in this industry where, where it would be hard to keep up with everything, uh, and, and be, um, be able to do it successfully, uh, where you're really helping customers the way that they need to be helped. Mm. Um, you know, so, 
the last thing I would ever want is to be a disadvantage to my customer. Do you uh, do you ever use social media personally for? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you use like Instagram and all that. Yeah, or... I mean, you do a, do a lot of stuff on Facebook. Uh, you know, it's just whether you you like that side of things or not. Uh, you know, in today's market, uh, it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people see things on. A lot of people like using social media. Uh, you know, so so uh, you know, it's 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 another one of those. Uh, parts of advertising and marketing that, that are important, uh, you know, uses of, of your resources and so forth, uh, when, when advertising a home and so forth. So it's another direction. Hmm. What are your thoughts on Zillow regarding, I don't know. Do you have any, what, what's, what's your, what do you hate about it? What do you love mm-hmm. about it? Yeah. So, so it's a part of the business, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Zillow's changed over time, you know, now it's its own brokerage, uh, you know, so, um, I think I think uh, you know Zillow's become an important part of the business from the standpoint of you know a lot of people are either utilizing Realtor.com or uh, maybe it's Zillow, uh, you know. But they're they're uh, so you can hang your license with Zillow. You, you can technically to? be a realtor that's licensed under Zillow now, correct? Oh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, you know, so interesting. That that uh you know so so Zillow I think um you know there's there's good and bad that come along with that uh you know and 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 it's changed probably over the years too now that they're on their own brokerage uh it's changed on how we can market our own properties yeah because they're uh, now a competitor right yeah correct correct so now so now you know there's some limitations on what we can do uh and what they can do uh you know because they're a brokerage so now there's a new set of rules that they have to follow but. Um, I, 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 uh, I look at it now as like any other brokerage, it's, uh, you know, another brokerage that's in the market, uh, you know, so I don't necessarily have any good or bad things to say about it necessarily. It's, it's, uh, you know, an, another, uh, it's another way of exposure. It's another site that people use mm-hmm. commonly, you know, look at real estate. A lot of times you might be doing your own search, whether that be uh, realtor.com or Zillow before you even meet me as your realtor. And, uh, you know, you already kind of have your own search going on and you're trying to figure out what you like. And then, you know, it comes down to finding that realtor that can help you in, you know, from a microeconomic standpoint, you know, for that individual market that knows it best uh, so that you can help make a purchase decision. Do you have like a non-compete with uh, John R. Wood? So could you hang your license with Zillow? I could leave, I could leave tomorrow. If I no, 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 I'm just saying like, could you also hang your license with, no, uh, no? no only one? Yeah, no, no, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to do, uh, uh, no, it would get very confusing as far as representation and so forth. Mm-hmm. Have you met anybody? Who's you could it? hang your license, you know, out of, out of state and be in a different state and sell real estate there with somebody else. But, no, it's you wouldn't like hang your broker your license with this broker and turn around and. But do you couldn't do like Zillow, Redfin, it, Realtor.com. If you, gonna, if you were gonna go, just hang your license with them. I guess you could. It's like there's no like law or anything against. You wouldn't that. be able to hang with multiple brokerages. But you have no. to give them some kind of commission, right? So, so it just depends on who you're hanging your license with. Whether you, you know, some brokers might have some kind of where they charge more of a desk fee. Or some might take more, you know, as far as uh, on a commission standpoint, take a percentage, you know, and, and uh, you know, so that that's going to change from one brokerage to another. Gotcha. Hmm. So you don't probably don't want to pay multiple fees. Yeah, I guess that could get pretty messy. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Quicken Loans. Do you do you recommend your uh, customers use that 
was it now called or Rocket Mortgage? Mortgage? Is that is that the same company? It is the they same company. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, it the problem with getting into one of the big uh, you know, chains of of lending uh like that is you got to realize there's individual loan officers that work under these big you know companies so to tell you that it's going to be an even scale across the board as far as you know the experience uh it might change drastically you could have a great experience and you could end up having a horrific experience uh because it just you're going to end up working with different loan officers under that company so, you know, when I have, if I had somebody that goes, oh, well, I want to work with, you know, uh, Rocket Mortgage, Mortgage, Quicken Loans, whatever, uh, you know, it may end up being difficult to control the level of, uh, you know, professionalism, the level of, of uh, you know, how, how smooth a transaction is going to run, um, you know, because it may be somebody that me in this industry has never worked with probably most likely, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it also may be somebody that my customers never worked with. So basically you're kind of coming fresh out of the gate going, Hey, I hope this works out good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe they're going to get a great interest rate. Maybe they won't. Uh, you know, but the problem is, is if it's somebody that I've never worked with, uh, you know, I, I kind of going into it a little blind, um, you know, and which is can be fine because it could still turn out to be a good, good transaction. But if it's versus somebody that I, I caught, you know, uh, work with more often, from a you know a relationship standpoint with a, a, a particular lender or loan officer, uh, you know I already know what the expectation is and how they work and how they function. So, uh, you know I, I think it could be fine, but I also think it could be a mess. Uh, you know, and then the other problem you run into sometimes is you know there may be certain lenders that aren't so familiar with the state of Florida, uh, you know, and and what their rules are and their policies are from the lending side of things. Uh, so sometimes, you know, they might not be so used to dealing with associations and so forth. And, and uh, you know, that, that could cause problems as well. So sometimes lenders don't necessarily know there's, you know, different rules and regulations on their part from state to state that change, uh, which sometimes can create some hurdles throughout a transaction as well. Does a loan officer usually work with multiple lenders and they'll find you the best Possibly. Situation? It might be a loan officer that's specific to a bank. Or it could be one that shops like a broker is basically, a, yeah. uh, you know, as a mortgage broker that, you know, shops from different, different, uh, you know, parts of the market and has different uh, uh, products to offer customers. Isn't that basically what Rocket Mortgage does? Yeah. 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 So, so and, and you might, you might have a, you know, where you, you uh, are tied in with them and, and, you know, as a resource to bring in business. Correct. Does it really vary that much from lender to lender? Would it be like, oh, I could get. Uh, yeah, it does. This much from this lender yeah. at this rate, it does. It really does. Yeah, I've, 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 I've most experienced lend, that. Most lenders, so like well. when you're when you're getting a mortgage and so forth, you'll have things like loan origination fees and so forth that are associated with that lender. That's not actually where the lender makes their money. Mm-hmm. The lender makes their money on interest rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you might have a lender that's you know oh, going, oh man, the you know the, the loan origination fee is twelve hundred dollars, but this one's only eight hundred dollars over here. Well, maybe this one's offering you a better rate. Uh, you know, so, so, uh, you know, and sometimes, you know, you might get a lender that you're going, Hey, this is the best rate I can find, but it might be a horrific experience or, or maybe both, you know, you might go, Hey, I got a great rate and I had a great experience. Could be that too. Uh, you know, so, so, uh, but, but yeah, from one bank to another, their level of risk that they're willing to take on. And you got to realize most people have all different things going on. Your credit score might be this. 
some, you know, a bank might find you to be a different level of risk versus the next one, you know, so they might offer you a better interest rate, you know, yeah. and, and have, uh, have you know, data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found, I found some to be like one of the best like professionals I've worked with mm-hmm. in terms of like loan officer, but also I've met a lot of snake oil salesmen Yeah, we were like, Hey, I can get you this. Yeah. And then you look at the details, you're like, holy shit, yeah. like, this is a terrible deal. Like yeah. there's a lot of scamming out there in that there, type there, of. There is. I mean, you, you gotta, and that's where, you know, if you're working with a, a good professional realtor, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes having somebody that deals with lenders and customers that are getting financing on a day to day basis, uh, you know, you might be able to just go, Hey, does this sound right to you? Does this seem good? You know, and then you're going to be able to get advice. It's like I said, it's another set of eyes, another, you know, another resource that you can ask questions or maybe you're asking certain questions and they can turn around and give you the information that you need to be able to ask the right questions. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so, uh, you know, that's it's it's the same thing. Like, you know, you might have a great realtor and you run into another realtor that's not so great. Uh, you know, it's 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 an industry that has, you know, it's a free market where, uh, you know, there's different experiences, different costs associated with different lenders, too. Uh, you know, whether that be, hey, I'm a number in the file versus a customer, you know, the from that experience versus interest rates might be different. Loan origination fees might be different, mm-hmm. you know, and some some are able to close faster than others. You might go get your financing from a local, a local uh, credit union and they're going, hey. At a minimum, we need 60 days to close. And you might be going, that's not going to work for me. I have to close in 30. Okay, well, then we need to find a lender that can do it in 30. Uh, you know, so there, there, are, there are different levels of, uh, you know, uh, and different resources that you're going to be able to, to get from one lender to another. Uh, and it might not just be cost perspective. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. from a cost perspective, it might, might actually be timing that you need, uh, you know, or... or uh, you know, maybe you're going to even go to something like a portfolio lender where, uh, you know, it's not going to be uh, subject to, you know, conventional Fannie Mae guidelines uh, where you need it to be more specific on what the risk tolerance is with that bank uh, specifically because you're borrowing directly from them. Uh, so you're talking about like a loan shark, right? Well, I mean, I, <laughs> it could be a loan shark, but, yeah. it, but it could just be a private bank that's going to lend and not going to sell off your loan to a secondary market necessarily. They're going to keep a loan in-house. Because, and, and they're going to look yeah. at the individual project or the individual home. And, and sometimes, you know, there's higher interest rates factored into that. But maybe you're able to get around some of the, the uh, you know, regulations and guidelines that are required with a conventional loan by going into something like a portfolio loan, which basically you're getting into, you know, hard money, uh, you know, from a hard money lender. And though that kind of money isn't subject to those regulations, because... no, it's usually subject to more specific to what the bank's requirements are. Uh, yeah, you know, which so can... it's private money. Uh, you know, it's that it's that individual bank's uh, you know money that they're lending out uh, versus you know being subject to to Fannie Mae guidelines. And the Fannie Mae guidelines are for banks that get their money from where. So so basically, at the end of the day, you know they're they're getting it from from large federal institutions right uh you know and 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 how come i can't get my loan from a federal institution well you might you might be getting money that's coming through that um you know but uh and a lot of that changed after 08 right with the subprime mortgage yeah i mean there was different rules and regulations and you know that gets into that gets into more stuff specifically Mm -hmm. you could go on with conversations for a long time but that that might be more specific to you know it might be guidelines to where uh you know 
that you can't just come in and say, Hey, I make X amount of money and therefore you should just loan me some money. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, yeah, you know, whereas you used to be able to come in and say things like that more, Hey, I make a hundred thousand a year and you know, okay, great. You know, here's sign here, money. here's your yeah. money. <laughs> so it's not that easy anymore. And, and, and it's good. It's a good thing because it regulates yeah. the, right. uh, the industry and doesn't allow, uh, you know, as many bad loans and so forth to be written. Right. So if, uh, if this, if like I say, I work with bank of America mm-hmm. who gives conventional loans, for houses mm-hmm. is that right okay they're getting they're probably getting some money from the federal reserve in the u.s or who so so they have they have their own money but banks are right. always selling loans back and forth to each mm-hmm. other based on risk tolerance and so forth yeah so sometimes when you close on a loan with them literally you know minutes after the loans closed it's already sold off to another institution uh mm-hmm. you know so right. so uh you know it's always banks are always trying to balance out risk uh, you know, associated with loans and so forth. So, you know, that, that, that gets into a kind of a complex process. Uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that was one of the things that, uh, that wasn't really a selling point, but it it was something that was kind of cool mm-hmm. with my bank, which they like guarantee that the loan stays with the bank. They said they'll never, it's guaranteed to never be sold off to another bank or institution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that might just be how they're working. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, I want uh, the rate that the Fed's setting. (laughs) (laughs) Because I heard the... um, Banks got to make money. (laughs) Yeah. The, what was it? The Treasury Secretary, I think her name, last name's Yellen. uh, Mm -hmm. She was testifying in court, or not in court. uh, She was in a hearing uh, and some senators were asking her questions like, should we keep increasing the U.S. debt? And she said, well, technically, if you can borrow a loan at almost 0% interest, then it's beneficial to use that money, uh, which, yeah, we can argue like a bunch of different ways on you know how that goes, what you're using the money for. But uh, how do I get that? You know what I mean? Like, why, why is the U.S. getting but you gotta, 0%? You, but you got to realize it starts from somewhere, right? Yeah. And, and the banks have to make money. So... You know, it become it becomes a a free market where you know banks are able to get money at a certain rate, and they're going to loan you out money at a certain rate. Yeah. You know, so so you know. But where are they getting the money from this from that certain rate? Federal Reserve. Yeah. How come I can't get it directly from them? They cut out cut out the bank. Yeah. <laughs> like they're adding, they're slapping on like another one yeah. percent interest. It's just, like, it's just like the brokers, the, the real estate brokers. Yeah, but you got to that's just the way it works. I mean, that's you, yeah. You, you know, it, it's still, hey, why why can't I go, you know, buy directly from the, the, the car manufacturer? The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's because. Yeah, why not? Because it creates an industry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's why, like, yeah. there's laws in Florida to where you have to hang your license because yeah, it, it came it came to a point where brokers were like, oh, shit, you could you go gotta, to a. It's more than that, too. You got to realize from that standpoint, it's also it's also by creating regulations that allow people to perform a certain way uh yeah you know, and follow follow rules that are structured within you know the the industry yeah there's pros and cons to it the, that's a pro that you also that you pointed out but a con would be that now there's an entire complex like a real estate industrial complex that's there to lobby against the customer and congress by Putting in certain laws and regulations, you know, keep the real the realtors in check. But right, you gotta realize it's more than that. It's 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 you know uh, controlling levels of inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so there's there's it's it's more than just uh, hey, you know, 
this is the interest rate and this is what it costs. That by 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 having regulations and being able to manipulate those numbers, you're also able to help control certain things in the environment. Uh, you know, and and one of the things they're talking about as far as raising rates is to help fight off of inflation. Yeah, you, know, you which, just you just lobbied for uh, unions, man. That's exactly what unions do, say. Don't you think? <laughs> don't you think that's a little? Uh, I mean. Uh, what was it? A couple of years ago, we were accusing China of man- manipulating their currency, right? Okay. We do that. Everybody. We do that. It. Yeah. So yeah. why are we accusing other countries of doing it? <laughs> because we literally do that. Because we have to ta- make them You're look talking bad. outside the field of my expertise. <laughs> <laughs> I know this has nothing to do with this. Yeah. But I'm just, I, you know, I'm angry about it. You so. sound angry, Miles. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just pissed he's trying off. to bring down the, the patriarchy of capitalism. Look, I'm just pissed off that we have no control over this situation and these couple of We do. People. It's called elect the people that you want to help make these but decisions. But what if there are no people True. to elect that will make the decisions that you want? Then well, we... well, then I guess we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> we can all agree and we're that's a little why in I'm trouble. Pissed. If we're all a little in trouble, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, well. Sorry. Yeah, you just got to play the game, I, I guess. derailed it. Yeah. yeah, you went off on a tangent. <laughs> Miles, Miles just leaves. Miles is on a tangent. Well, it's just Zach and I, guys, and we're going to talk about Wednesday. Um, shit. Well, I guess we can wrap this up. Zach sells Naples.com, right? That's appreciate your website. It. I think I we uh, just hit the tip of the iceberg. You probably have so much more knowledge on things that yeah. we didn't even talk about. I so. do have a lot of knowledge, but at the same time, the industry is always changing. So, so there's there's always room to uh, you know grow and and uh, learn more. So, yeah, appreciate you being on, man. Yeah, appreciate. We had a great weekend me. with you and uh, Vince and Nick, and um, I'm looking forward to going back to the warmer weather. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> well. We're, we'll be here for next year when you want to come out and snowboarding. <laughs> two, two degrees versus uh, 85, 90. Yeah. Uh, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks for listening in, people. Thanks for watching. Until next time, adios.